We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, aka Blender HD, aka hopefully on top of you of the GPP leaderboards this coming Sunday on DraftKings. Uh, join with me, as always, the man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson. And uh, for last week, uh, did you stack enough of the Chiefs and the Buccaneers game? And Derrick Henry, it seemed like you need Tyreek, you need Henry, and uh, I didn't have enough Henry, so so I I, I didn't get there. Yeah, no, I I did not. Um, I stacked the Chiefs Buccaneers a decent bit, but uh, a lot of Kelsey and Watkins, not Hill. I uh, you know the data suggested that maybe uh, the return of Sammy Watkins could temper, I guess, expectations for Hill. That turned out not to be the case. Uh, did it not turned out heed... to be the complete opposite of the case. Right, right, right. Um, I did not heed your uh, words of advice on being high on Henry when uh, the field is expecting to be low. Um, I did min cash with a Baker, Landry, Hooper, James Robinson stack. Um, so you had that to was throw actually... that in. You had to throw <laughs> the ground. Into one <laughs> yeah, um, that actually probably was my best of uh, about ten tournament lineups on Sunday. So yeah, all, all in all, pretty bad. Uh, pretty bad 
Sunday and just general week uh, for me. So hoping to rebound this week. Uh, pretty messy slate, I think, so far. Uh, not a whole lot of high total games. The games that, you know, the teams, I guess, that have high implied totals also have significant blowout risk and, you know, I think somewhat suspect uh, opportunities to bring back. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to discussing it with you and, uh, you know, hopefully getting a little more clarity because right now it's looking a little, little messy so far. Well, you mentioned that fact. I wanted to bring that up. We have uh, totals everywhere from uh, 42 and a half at the low, 53 and a half at the high, but we have one, two, three, four. We have five teams that are more than a touchdown favorite. Uh, you mentioned before that, we typically in GPPs are targeting shootouts, targeting games where both teams are playing fast, scoring points. The game is being sped up and both teams go over their total. Uh, so that's why you, you make a three plus one stack you or two plus one skinny stack quarterback, wide receiver, opposing wide receiver, quarterback, two pass catches, uh, opposing a uh, player. Do you think on this type of slate where we have five teams that are expected, at least by the the, the betting public, to uh, have, a, have a significant chance of not necessarily blowing out their opponent, but scoring substantially more than their opponent, that this could be a week because we have multiple of them that maybe we don't make as many bring back type of stacks maybe because we have like to just go through it we'll go through the, the top total games soon enough but we got the dolphins we got the seahawks we got the packers we got the raiders and we got the vikings that are all touchdown or better favorites they all have individually high implied totals but their opponents don't so do you think that uh, a viable construction for GPP, especially if a lot of the field are going to try to stack these games to just let me look at those five teams and let me take the one-off pieces that work in those games or even double. So for instance, playing a three plus zero of one game and then two pieces of another game where that team blows the other team out without a correlated piece. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be viable, and I, I think it's going to be on a team-by-team -team basis. I mean, I, um, you know, so much of the show we spend discussing correlations within a specific team. I think it's a good week to pay attention to how players that we want to stack up on a winning side tend to correlate with, you know, cumulative scoring of the opposition. So I think in previous weeks, uh, we had talked about a Fitzpatrick week, you know, a while back and discussed how, like, he doesn't really have that strong uh cross game correlation with opposing offenses. Like he has a essentially neutral, a slightly negative correlation with the cumulative scoring of the opponent's offense as where a guy like Russ Wilson, you know, has this big you know, positive plus four or five uh, correlation. You know, I think paying attention to which players uh, correlate neutrally or negatively with the opposition could be, uh, you know, a way to, target certain teams that we are feeling comfortable about not bringing back any players on the other side and teams that, you know, have this strong positive correlation with the opposition, meaning that, you know, when player X, let's say Russell Wilson, you know, scores well or puts up a lot of fantasy points, 
it typically uh, positively correlates. It gives a higher likelihood of the opposing uh, offense as a whole scoring some above norm or above average total. So like that's an example of, um, you know, a team that I, I might be or a side where I'd be a little uh, hesitant to avoid bringing someone back uh, because, you know, if Russ is going to get there, it gives you kind of elevated uh, confidence that maybe the opposition as a whole uh, is going to get there uh, as well. A guy like Fitzpatrick, who has this neutral negative correlation, historically has had routes to having kind of above average games for himself, uh, where the opposition like doesn't have any higher or any lower confidence in that opposition uh, achieving some some ceiling outcome as a whole. Um, so I think something could be useful to pay attention to this week. And uh, maybe as we're talking through some of these uh, high spread games, I can try to pull up the correlation that some of the key pieces have with opposing offenses or opposing wide receivers to, to get a sense if that is a route that we should be, uh, you know, we should feel confident in taking, uh, you know, that, that naked, naked or kind of no bring back, uh, not naked, but no bring back uh, route. I, I can try to pull that up quickly and, you know, add that for context to get a sense if that's something we want to deploy with the specific team that, that we're discussing. Well, a route that you should be taking is playing the FanDuel single entry series. It's the last week. What are you waiting for? I mean, we, we've been doing this for the past, what, this is the past seven weeks? If you haven't gotten in already, well, you're, you can't, you can't go to the, the final, the six man 20 K final, but still you can compete in single entry contests in three buying levels. They're they're flat payout structures, low rake. So check that out. FanDuel single entry series. It's the last week to get in uh, before the end of the season. So uh, let's start with, uh, we we don't have like, we we have three games that are are 50 plus. But then we have some, we have a bunch that are at like 47, 48. So, I mean, we'll start at the top. But uh, once I saw this total, 53 and a half. It's up from 52. The Titans, 29.75 implied total. The Browns, 24.25 total. Stewart, this it's a Browns game with the highest total. <laughs> like, how are you how how are you not gonna be playing Baker Mayfield plus Jarvis Landry plus Austin Hooper on this slate? Or are we concerned? I could see the field. I could see these are teams where they're running backs. Vulture. I don't want to call Vulture. I mean, they Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. The Browns are the most run-heaviest team in the league. The Titans, you know, Derrick Henry, if he's going, like their passing game is going to, their passing volume is going to be lower. It's the highest total on the slate, though. So uh, compared to ownership, like I think the passing game's, in in this in this contest are going to be much lower owned than what we'd expect out of the highest total game but i mean is that warranted um yeah i mean to me i, I think the I, I was kind of surprised looking at the lineup hq and projected ownership for this game i kind of expected there to be high ownership projections like somewhere on this game i mean especially the tennessee side we have them as the you know, second most likely team to score the most points. And it seemed like, you know, Henry isn't projected for super high ownership. Like Tannehill is 
projected for exceptionally low ownership. I mean, towards the, you know, middle or bottom even of kind of quarterback ownership. And yeah, I mean, just given the total of this game, I don't see how, um, you know, no one on, on this game gets there. I mean, I, I think um, I, I would suspect just because they are the favored team, uh, Henry will probably be the more popular play. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, I think as you discussed last week, if you are concerned that the field is going to be high on Henry, it's a good week to be low on him. If you suspect that the field will be low on Henry, good week to be high on him. So, um, you know, I think that rule makes sense to me and uh, such. Yeah, I mean, I think the Tennessee passing side seems uh, fairly appealing. I mean, the case against playing the Browns this week is that, like, sure, they're in the highest total game, but, uh, you know, they're also a pretty low implied total. I mean, we have them as only a 3.2% chance of scoring the most points on the slate. And, uh, you know, as I've kind of discussed all along, there are major ceiling concerns for this Browns uh, passing side. So when you combine a team, uh, you know, a passing attack that really doesn't have much of a ceiling has a pretty low implied total. Uh, you know, even if they are projected to play from behind, like I'm not convinced that that's going to really help, you know, Mayfield Landry Hooper, uh, I think would probably be the natural stack. Like they, they just don't have much of a ceiling. So like, even if they do achieve kind of their relative ceiling uh, due to game script, like it's not a very high ceiling. So I, I guess I'm not really that intrigued um, on the Cleveland side. Um, well, I think that the uh, the ownership of this game is lower because of the pricing. I mean, we yeah. have Eric Henry at ninety two hundred, AJ Brown at seventy six hundred, uh, Corey Davis is more manageable at fifty one hundred. The tight right. ends could be anything at this point. John Smith was big early in the year, and now he's barely seeing targets. You know, Swaim is is out targeting him, uh, and then on the Cleveland side, I mean, you Chubb and Hunt like just take so much of the work. I think it's not necessarily a byproduct of like the field going like, I don't want to take the high total game. It's just that individually do these players have a ceiling at their prices? Yeah. AJ Brown, you know, you could get there on big plays, but I mean, his volume is, is pretty low. He doesn't see double digit targets. Uh, We have uh, Derek Henry, you know, at 9,200, if he doesn't see the end zone twice, like he doesn't, he he doesn't get 30 points. You're going to need 30 points at 9,200. So I think I think the the ownership is more of a byproduct of the salaries because there are games that are just slightly lower totals that have much more appealing salaries that regardless of if this turns into a shootout, it's quite possible that it's quite possible that this game could go to a 55, 60 point total. And like none of these pieces are necessary in GPPs. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And I, I think the price of AJ Brown makes it somewhat tough to double stack. I mean, uh, Brown and Davis, I think, would be the natural stack on the Tennessee side. But I mean, their combined ceiling has only been about 40, you know, it's been like 46 fantasy points, which, um, you know, I think at Davis's price point, like his ceiling, uh, you know, that, that kind of combined ceiling is manageable from a Davis standpoint, but yeah, Brown is just so expensive. Um, you know, I think, uh, like both those guys in combination with one another is going to be really tough to, um, you know, manage as part of a double stack. So like, 
you know, I have 46 ceiling on those two guys combined. Uh, they essentially have neutral correlation. It's like zero if you round to the second decimal place. Uh, but, you know, their price combined is, you know, what, 12.7. So 46 uh, points for 12.7 in salary is, uh, you know, three and a half X. Like it's just a, a somewhat low ceiling for a combination of players at, you know, a fairly elevated price, mostly, you know, due to AJ Brown's pricing. So I don't know. I think it would be a tough, uh, you know, game to like double, double stack up. And I do wonder if maybe, uh, it's a good opportunity to just grab like single pieces, uh, or maybe just a single piece from the Tennessee side, uh, and, you know, try to build through a different kind of core stack. But, uh, I mean, it's not a game I'd necessarily want to like avoid completely because, you know, it's a strong total. Uh, you know, there are like, I do think Corey Davis is pretty reasonably priced. Um, so, you know, there are, I think plays to be had. Um, but I, I do have concerns about it being a, game where you can kind of get a lot of plays uh, from, from the game at, at, you know, a reasonable price point. Well, moving on to the the next game on the docket, it's a uh, 52 and a half total. It's up three points since open. It's the uh, Vikings uh, at home against the Jaguars, the Vikings with a 31 and a half implied team total, the Jaguars with a 21 implied team total. Uh, the Vikings have, one of, if not the most condensed offense in the NFL. You have Cook, you have Thielen, who should be back from the COVID list. You have Jefferson. Uh, Rudolph there as a tight end. Uh, Irv Smith is questionable. Uh, obviously, you have Cousins in the, in the passing game. On the Jaguars, you have a workhorse in James Robinson. And then we have to see whether or not Chark or Conley are back because they'll always be cheap Jaguars pieces in the receiving game. But with a 31 and a half implied total, I'm going to assume that the Vikings are at the top of your stack probability list. And with the fact that it essentially, like it seems like 90% plus of their production goes through three players. If you're not stacking the Vikings, how are you not having at least one Viking in like every lineup that you make? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they they are showing up as you know the most likely team to top the slate, fifteen point three percent, and that's a solid you know four percent ahead of the next competitor, which is Tennessee. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to need to get uh, at least one of these Vikings guys, and like you said, uh, pretty high confidence that some mix of Thielen, Cook, and Jefferson, and that could be you know, one of those guys could be two of those guys. It seems like a long shot for it to be all three guys, but you know, I mean, Minnesota just have to put a mass total for, you know, the production to come through some, some permutation of those three guys. Uh, you know, I think the challenge is going to be trying to figure out which ones um, because the price on Jefferson has come up and we really haven't seen any reduction on Thielen, even though I missed last week. It's a tough, it's a tough, you know, game to double stack up with like Jefferson plus Thielen. Um, their max, you know, it's kind of similar situation to Brown and uh, Davis, except I think there's just more balance in term and, and more kind of uh, uncertainty as to who is, you know, the most likely to score the most points between Jefferson and Thielen. But uh, it's tough. I mean, they're they're combined total. They have, uh, you know, slight slight negative correlation through ten games this year. Uh, it's only fifty four point seven and you know, price-wise, uh, what do they combine for salary-wise? I mean, what is that, 14, 
14, two, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough double stack to, you know, feel like you can get to some massive ceiling. I mean, their, their combined ceiling divided by their combined price, you know, is only 3.8 X. Um, no, it's tough. I think you would like out of if you are going to double stack up a game and you know, prefer to get four to five X out of that um, combined receiver stack. And I, I think that's going to be tough to do with, uh, you know, both of these pass catchers as part of a double stack. So it might be a spot to either single, you know, if you do want to go cousins, you know, just pick one of Thielen or Jefferson. Uh, or maybe if you're going to go the double stack route, maybe consider going a Thielen or Jefferson plus Rudolph plus Cousins, because uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I I think the price tag on Cousins is reasonable. It, it's a game with a high total. There are some compelling bring back options. I I think James Robinson would probably be the first place I would go, even though it's a game that Jacksonville is projected to play from behind. Uh, I think if Cousins to Thielen or Cousins to Jefferson is to really achieve their ceiling. Uh, you're going to need kind of someone on the Jacksonville side to uh, keep it competitive. And I think, you know, we saw last week with Cleveland, like Jacksonville and, and also James Robinson factors in the passing game. So I don't think, you know, a, a negative game script, like totally X's him out. Um, but you saw last week with Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland was a projected favorite and the game was more competitive than expected because James Robinson kind of was single-handedly able to keep it competitive. Um, and it, force Cleveland to be a little more uh, pass heavy than, you know, we would expect from them uh, if they were up, you know, two scores for most of the game. So I think uh, that that probably would be the route I'd like to take on this game, you know, cousins plus one receiver, James Robinson back or cousins plus one receiver plus Rudolph. Uh, I, I, I do think it's going to be a bit tough to go, you know, cousins, Thielen, and Jefferson. Uh, does that seem reasonable or is that, is that kind of a, no, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it can work. I mean, typically I don't like playing two receivers that are around 7K yeah. uh, together because then, then their ceilings become negatively correlated. The more interesting part of this game is that Dalvin Cook is rejected to be one of the highest owned running backs coming off of a pretty dud game last week. But the, 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 the running back pool this week is relatively weak. Uh, we have some somewhat underpriced wide receivers uh, most people may, will probably not be paying up a tight end. So fitting Cook in shouldn't be as much of a problem. But at 9,500, obviously, it's the same thing as Derrick Henry. Like, he's got to find the end zone twice. He's got to put yeah. up 30-plus points at 9,500. The more interesting thing here in this game, like, I'm more likely, uh, if, if, if I'm not worried about Cousins, you know, maybe I do play some Cousins stacks, but I think, if I'm playing 100 lineups, like I have one Viking in in every line. I mean, like, like the, I'll set a rule so I get at least Cook, Jefferson, Thielen in one of my. No matter how it comes out, the team has a 31 and a half implied total. The thing that I'm wondering is playing Cook and Robinson in the same lineup together, uh, because typically opposing running backs are negatively correlated to each other ceiling wise. But do you, because if the the Vikings are up, they typically are going to start getting way run heavy, right? Yeah. Um, if the best piece on the Jacksonville side is James Robinson, like we're talking about 
Like how many plays are going to be run this game if James Robinson is touching the ball 25 times and Dalvin Cook is touching the ball 30 times? Like is am I am I getting am I getting enough correlation from the game environment to play Cook and Robinson together or should I side with the fact that uh historically opposing running backs just like eat into each other's ceiling just because the clock's moving too much? Yeah, I mean, I think the data would suggest that it, it would be tough to go Robinson plus Cook. I mean, we have a pretty significant sample on Cook, and he's had essentially zero correlation with opposing running back units. So, you know, it's not so negative that you'd just be like, well, you can't do it, but you're not really uh, getting, I think, added confidence in, you know, the opposing running backs is seeding. Uh, Robinson, you know, we only have a 10-game sample, but in those 10 games, he's had a negative 0.38 correlation with opposing running back units. Uh, you know, I think small sample, and it's not like such a massive number where, you know, you just say like, oh, well, if uh, if Cook does good, there's no way Robinson can do uh, well. Um, but you're deciding again. I mean, negative 0.38 uh, yeah, is strong enough that it's pretty like, strong, Robin, yeah. Robinson – correlates better with Jefferson or Thielen than with Cook. Yeah. Um, here, I could pull up, let's see, uh, Robinson's correlation with opposing receivers and also opposing quarterbacks. I'm kind of just curious to see that. Uh, Robinson with opposing quarterback, plus 0.63. Robinson with opposing receiver units, negative one, negative 0.174. So strong correlation with opposing quarterbacks, slightly negative to neutral correlation with opposing receivers. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think like by going cousins plus Jefferson or cousins plus Thielen, you're getting natural leverage off of cook. And then by playing Robinson on the other side, like I think Robinson also has some, like we discussed, like negative correlation and leverage properties against cook as well. So uh, to me, that build seems to be well structured towards just, you know, and if Cook is going to be high, highly owned, which I think seems reasonably, reasonably likely given the, you know, weakness of the running back position, you're just getting a build that I think is really highly differentiated from a lot of the builds that are probably just going to be Cook, no Robinson, or, uh, you know, Cook, no Jefferson, or Cook, no Thielen, or Cook, no Cousins kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. To me, that that seems like a, a you know highly leveraged uh, approach to you know a side that has pretty pretty good implied total. And um, you know, I do like Robinson. Just he's uh, got a ton of volume uh, working for him, and uh, you know the fact that he positively correlates with opposing QBs and has kind of neutral correlation with receivers, uh, I think, is also a somewhat desirable property for for this type of build. Okay, next game on the docket. We got one of our favorite teams, the team that you can't possibly stack, or it's seemingly you can't you normally who knows who you stack them with. It's a 51 total. It's actually down from its open. It opened at 53. It's down to 51. It's the Colts at the Texans. The Colts with a 27.25 implied total. The Texans with a 23.75 implied total. It's a 51 total game. The Colts. How do you stack? They have three. They're, they're going to have three running backs. They have five wide receivers. They have three tight ends. And then we have the Texans who figure on this slate to be the most owned team on the slate with only a 23.75 implied total. And this is going to be a byproduct 
of salary and the fact that Will Fuller got suspended for six games, which uh, will basically open up, should open up targets for, for the rest of the Texans passing game. They're playing indoors. They're, the Colts defense, I mean, they got shredded by the Titans, so I'm not scared of them. Do you think that uh, it's warranted? I mean, we could talk about the Colts. It's it probably it probably comes up very high in your stack probability, but it's just like, you know, what what are the players that the team gets there, but none of the players do? But what are your thoughts on the fact that the one the most popular team on the slate is nowhere near to the highest extent of? I mean, I'm going to assume the Texans don't come up high to you uh is this the type of thing where where the median for the texans for watson for cooks for qt for akins for duke johnson like look well look good in projections like like they're very they're a very good shot at hitting their median but their ceilings are suspect uh because of the the implied point total yeah i mean i think cooks or qt or price low enough where there is some ceiling to be had, I guess, for one of those guys. But I mean, I think it's a spot to just take, you know, if you want to, you know, like I don't, you know, you definitely don't need to apply some rule like you suggested with the Vikings where, you know, get one of Cooks, Kuti or Akins. But um, yeah, I think this is a spot where I'd be content to just uh, take one of those guys uh, and then move on. I mean, not, I, like, I think you guys have, Watson projected as the highest or one of the highest quarterbacks. And uh, yeah, I mean, his price hasn't uh, come way down really with Fuller out. And like, I mean, the guy just lost his best receiving target, you know, his best receiver. Uh, seems like there probably is some uh, reduction in kind of uh, ceiling. And Fuller's like a great ceiling receiver. Uh, so yeah, and I mean, I'm a little suspect of... Uh, just trying to stack through Watson and just build up big on the Houston side. Like it's a low total. Um, I do, you know, the Colts got shredded last week, but they've been a pretty solid defense for most of the season. You know, I think it could be reasonable to just take kind of the long form on that. Um, yeah. I mean, we, take, grab... we take a look at, we take a look at ownership currently right now. I know it's Thursday, so th this, this will change. Uh, we mm -hmm. have Watson at 11.2 percent projected owned we have brandon cooks at 29.4 percent projected owned and we have jordan akins a cheap tight end at 17.3 projected owned so you combine that all together like it could easily be that seven or eight percent of total lineups in a contest in large field gpps and maybe even more in single entry and three max are a watson cooks aiken stack and with them being so so much significantly less of an implied point total. I mean, to me, this is this is an easy like I don't play the stack, maybe play the piece yeah. is fine. You want to play one-offs? That yeah. that's perfectly fine. But even then, like can if Cooks, I think, could get there without Watson. I think the the thing about playing the one-offs in this stack, Cooks, Akins, stuff like that, QT, is that Watson's 7,500. So like Cooks could get there and Watson could not get like Watson could end up with 22 points. And it's like, okay, like I could fade 22 points and Cooks still ends up with 30, right? Cooks has a game where it's 10 for 140 and a touchdown. 
and Watson still only only has, you know, 260 yards passing and two touchdowns and he's sitting there with like 20 points. It's like, okay, I don't need that. He's 7,500. So that doesn't pay. It's not like he's a 5k quarterback. So 22 is good. So like, typically I don't like playing one-offs of like the chalkiest stack, but I think in this occasion with Watson's price being up there that I, I still think these receivers could, could hit a ceiling without the quarterback coming along with them. But still, it's kind of like, a, am I going to play a 30% own Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think the stack is an easy fade. Um, I, you know, I think like you said, like I do think Cooks could get there. There's a lot of value that has been opened up by the absence of Will Fuller and, you know, neither Cooks nor Kuti's price have come way up. So, uh, yeah, I think they're just pretty good routes to uh, – you know, any one of these receivers getting there from a value standpoint, then at yeah, seven five Watson not getting there. So, you know, I I will probably have a some some Brandon Cooks. Um, it's not like a guy I think I'll take a strong position on one way or the other. But you know, I definitely don't want to full X him out because I'm not interested in the Watson stack. Uh, I think there are plenty of routes where he or Kuti uh, Aikens because he's so touchdown dependent, uh, maybe a little less interest in. Uh, but I definitely think there are routes to Cooks uh, and Kuti getting there where Watson doesn't. And with that how about, in mind, how about the other side of the game? I mean, like, I mean, what the hell do you do with the Colts? They're yeah. the they're the favorite teams with the with the higher higher implied total. And all I'm looking at going, Michael yeah. Pittman. I mean, like, what 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 am I doing? Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Pittman probably is the most sensible uh, route. Yeah, I yeah, I, I know, I right? Know. You're That's, just speechless. Like, side. What 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 are you what are you supposed to do? I um, mean, if you know, if if people if Trey if uh, I'm sorry if Aikens is going to be super popular and people are going to go like Watson Cooks Aikens, uh, you know, going like Burton Cooks or Burton Kuti. I mean, I don't I don't love that, but uh, it certainly would be kind of leveraged against what maybe a popular build might be. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's go to other teams. We're not going to go to other games because those were the the fifty plus total games. Now we're going to go towards the teams that have the high implied totals. But you know, the the other side of the game, you know, we have like the the Seahawks, for instance. Seahawks have a twenty eight implied total. Uh, I'm assuming in your in your probability tool, they're they're going to be up there. The Giants ha- have only an eighteen implied total. The Seahawks are a ten point favorite. In a 46 total game, uh, Lockett and Metcalf are both now quite expensive. I mean, we're yeah. we're, we're seeing uh, uh, the 8,200, 7,400. I know they positively correlate with each other and Wilson, but like I can't possibly double stack them. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you look at the Giants side and go, is there anyone worth bringing it back? Like this is one of those games where, like, can the Seahawks just run them over 35 to three? And if I get just the right pieces, do I need a correlated, you know, player from the other side of the game? So in my opinion, it's a spot to try to find someone on the other side. I think a combination of, you know, like we mentioned at the top of the show, Russ having this positive correlation with the opposition uh, means that, you know, correlation is never causal. So you can't say like, Russ doing well causes the opposition to do well or the opposition to do, you know, opposition doing well causes Russ to do well. They're just correlated. 
But um, yeah, I mean, because there is that positive correlation, uh, Russ doing well or the opposition doing well gives us increased confidence that the other side of that pair is going to do well. And, uh, you know, if the, if the opposition fails massively, you kind of have reduced confidence in Russ, uh, reaching some relative ceiling. I think also there's been good documentation about how the, uh, Seattle's kind of pass heavy approach has been waning over the course of the season. Uh, you know, I, it seems like we might be returning to an offense more similar, uh, to 2019 where like if Seattle's up by a lot, you know, they're going to run the ball and they got Chris Carson back, you know, running back who Pete Carroll seems to really like, uh, for me, this is a spot where if I were going to go like Russ plus Metcalf or Russ plus Lockett probably would want to try to find uh, a guy on the New York side to bring back. I think Ingram or Shepard probably the most likely, uh, candidates be interesting to see if Daniel Jones plays or not. I think that's kind of an important factor. Like, if, you know, Jones doesn't play and it's McCoy, uh, it almost seems like this total is reflective of Jones not expected to play, uh, but I'm not you know, 100% sure on that. So you guys have Colt as in lineup HQ. So like, you know, if that's the case, I, I think a combination of Seattle being expensive and just really limited confidence in the giant side, it might be, and, and you know, there is kind of, because of that, there is, you know, high blowout risk uh, it might be a game I'd be inclined to be underweight on. Um, I don't know. So that, what, what, what do you think about uh, that approach? Are you considering Seattle is just no, no bring back or. Well, it depends. It really, I mean, it depends to me. It depends if Daniel Jones plays. Yeah. If Daniel Jones plays then then I have a little bit more interest, but I, to me, the run back is more like Evan Ingram to fill a tight end spot. Sure. do that instead of playing uh, Shepard or Slayton. But I mean, that's not that out of the, the high total teams, Seattle is actually my least, the, the one that I'm looking at the least uh, just due to ownership. I'm looking at now, now we're going to get into the ones that I want to play. Okay. Uh, it's a 47 total. It's come down a half a point. Uh, the Packers are nine point favorites over the Eagles who look horrible. The Packers have a 28 implied total. The Eagles have a 19 implied total. I'm looking right in, in lineup HQ right now. Aaron Rodgers is under 7K. He's 6,800. He's 4% owned. Devontae Adams is 9K and he's 8% projected owned. Uh, most people are not going to pay up for wide receiver to that extent. They're going to play Dalvin Cook instead. Of, they're going to play Derrick Henry instead of playing Devontae Adams. Why aren't I just playing Rodgers and Adams and just winning it all? Yeah, I mean that uh that seems like a solid approach. Those guys have really strong correlation. If uh Rogers does well, you have pretty good confidence that Adams is gonna do well uh as well. Um so is that a game you are thinking you're gonna want to bring some no, back? The Eagles are horrible. Who do I bring back on the Eagles? They throw it at seven million people. Travis yeah. Hogan, Alshon Jeffrey, they're trotting Alshon Jeffrey out there. He runs a I run faster than him. Like this is this is what I mean by in the beginning of the show where I'm like, I could find places where like if the Packers put up four to five touchdowns, like yeah. what do I care about the Eagles? I mean, like what I mean really, what does it what does it matter if Devontae Adams has a forty point game? Do I need anyone on the Eagles? Sure. So the you know correlation data would suggest that that is a reasonable approach. Adams has since 2018 uh, only a positive point one two correlation with 
cumulative scoring of the opposing offense, Rodgers has negative 0.267. So when the opposing offense as a whole fails, Rodgers is more likely to succeed. Uh, when Rodgers, you know, succeeds, the opposing offense is more likely to fail. When Rodgers fails, the opposing offense is more likely to succeed. So, uh, yeah, I mean that that I guess is a positive sign that uh, you know that could be this could be a team where you would be more comfortable with that approach than say Seattle, where those pieces that you would want to have in Seattle positively correlate with the opposition. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like that approach. Um, you know, we have green Bay as fifth, most likely to score the most points, 7.2%. It's a weird week. So we, uh, I currently only have, uh, six teams with a more than 5% chance of scoring the most points. Uh, we have, uh, doing some quick uh, 13 teams who were projecting as less than 4% chance of scoring the most points. So there's like a few teams that are kind of in this top, like loose tier of kind of the most likely teams. And then, I mean, half the teams in this weekend slate just have, you know, a really, really thin odds to, to score the most points. Uh, Green Bay is inside that tier of kind of teams with, uh, you know, more than 5% chance, uh, the How Giants. about the Raiders? How about the Raiders? I want to talk about this game. I know you're you're shaking your head now. <laughs> the Raiders are are my Browns. You know, like you have the Browns, I have the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders have a 27.25 implied total. It's a 47 total game. They're playing the Jets. Okay, the Jets are horrible. They're the worst team in the league. The Jets have a 19.75 implied total. Now, uh, especially last week with the Raiders completely flopping against the Falcons. I think recency bias is going to hit. Like, who wants to pay up for Waller? Uh, let's see what the health status of Josh Jacobs is. Right? People may not want to go there. But then we take a look at, like, you know, Nelson Aguilar or, or, or Henry Ruggs. I mean, we've seen teams completely obliterate the Jets. And if the ownership is not going to be there. And also, the Raiders don't have a good defense either. So I don't have no problem running it back with a Perriman, Crowder, Mims, one of those guys, Frank Gore. Even. Frank Gore. <laughs> right. I, I, I Seriously, I don't. Uh, with the recency bias against the Raiders from last week, like, why can't, why can't this be the game? Like, why, like the Raiders have to show, I mean, they have a high enough implied total that they, they have to show up in the plus 5% in your list. Yeah. Yeah. We got them at close to an 8%. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my, uh, my kind of eye roll is probably indicative of what a lot of the public will be thinking myself included. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are a team that I, I feel like I typically like as well. Um, and I don't know for whatever reason, I'm not as into them this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got a good total If Josh Jacobs is out that figures to, I think help, uh, this receiving, core a little bit uh you know i think there's if josh jacobs is in you know i think it's reasonable for gruden to just get to a two-score lead and kind of pound jacobs if he's out you know i, I don't know that uh Devontae booker is a guy that's just going to be able to like grind down the game for them the way jacobs could so uh yeah and i mean that, that that stack there from you know i think the raiders used to be a team that we were pretty uncertain as to who we would go with aside from waller but i think increasingly Aguilar is kind of separating from the pack of, you know, somewhat uh, volatile receivers who, I don't know, they tend to, you know, be volatile between like total floor and just like, 
you know, hitting expectation. I mean, none of those, none of those guys, you know, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro have shown the ability to consistently give you shots at a ceiling game from either one. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think Waller, Waller, Aguilar, uh, Carr would be the way to go. So these, uh, Waller and Carr in particular are guys that have strong positive correlation with the opposition, uh, so far this year, plus 0.58 for Carr, plus 0.46 for Waller. So the data would suggest that in games which Carr and Waller have kind of a ceiling performance, the opposition as a whole uh, is able to achieve uh, you know some sort of above norm or has has more a higher likelihood of achieving some above norm uh, kind of cumulative total. Uh, and the pieces are cheap enough on the Jet side that you know, that you don't need them to put up 30 points for, you know, one of like Mims or Perriman or, or even Crowder has come down a bit in price uh, to get there. So uh, yeah, Mims, Mims is the guy I, I kind of like. I, I played a good bit of uh, Miami and Mims stacks last week. Uh, you know, he, he, his usage, his usage has been pretty, pretty strong, uh, getting a lot of air yards. Uh, so, you know, maybe you hope one of those big downfield throws pops for him this week. And uh you know, Jacob's out, Waller, uh, Waller, Aguilar, Carr kind of get going. So, uh, yeah, the last team I want to talk about is the team that ha- is the biggest favorite on the entire slate. It's the Dolphins yep. of all teams. They have a 27 implied total. The Bengals, they're playing, they're playing in Miami. Uh, if Fitzpatrick plays, I'm, I'm much more likely to play the Dolphins than if Tua plays. But Definitely. the Dolphins, I mean, you have Fitzpatrick, you have Parker, you have Gazicki. Now, with the prices on the Bengals' side, with Boyd, Bernard, Higgins, and even A.J. Green, I mean, he's 31, he's nearly mid-price. Uh, I know you, you've said that Fitzpatrick doesn't necessarily correlate with the opposing side, but at these prices for the Bengals, you have to expect that they're going to be throwing the ball. They have the lowest implied total. Like it's, it seems weird for me to say that. Like I like the Dolphins, and I would want to build the three plus one, but it is the lowest total on the entire slate by two and a half points. It's forty-two and a half total. Uh the Dolphins must come up fairly high in in team probability, but. Like, is this, it It seems like I should want to run it back with, it seems like the Bengals play in a way where Higgins or Boyd could, if they, if they get one touchdown and they have to throw the ball 45 times, like how does, how does one of them not get there? But then it, it goes completely against the notion of why am I stacking the 42 and a half total game? Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Fitzpatrick playing is kind of a condition that needs to be met for you to really consider the stack, but I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I, in my notes, I usually put between one and one and three stars next to some of the stacks that I like. This is a weird slate where I don't really have any one stack that is looking like a phenomenal stack, but you know, Miami and Minnesota, are the only two stacks that I got two stars next to. So um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're cheap. Uh, Fitzpatrick is, you know, kind of a gunslinger. Uh, you know, we even saw last week where like Miami just was, you know, so far, like they, they, there's just no chance they're going to lose. And, you know, Fitzpatrick is still slinging, you know, TDs to like Adam Shaheen and, and whatnot. Um, I really like the correlative properties of Parker and Gesicki on our uh, Twitter account. Actually, this morning we posted 
just some plots of how uh, Gesicki, Parker, and Fitzpatrick's production all relate to one another. And, you know, typically we don't see receivers uh, or, you know, tight end and receiver have strong positive correlation. I mean, Gesicki and Parker have, you know, really good correlation for a receiving pair that has been playing together for a long time. You know, I don't even think you can really cite small sample here when, uh, you know, Parker does well, Gesicki tends to do well as well and vice versa. And, you know, Fitzpatrick fits in there in a really correlative way. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they have a reasonable total. We have them at 5%. So they're just outside kind of this top tier of teams. Um, there's blowout risk that I don't really know. You know, I don't know. I could see people just not wanting to play the Miami passing side if there's blowout risk. I mean, I think a thing to keep an eye on is if Miles Gaskin uh, comes back. Uh, if he is in play and there's really no indication that he's, uh, you know, going to be restricted or kind of on a pitch count in any way. I think that would give me a little more concern. Like he seems like a running back that the dolphins trust and are more inclined to kind of, you know, grind out the game with, if there's no miles Gaskin, you know, even if Salvan Ahmed comes back, like he doesn't seem like a guy that that team is going to trust to, you know, put the game away. And, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick has been one of these guys that, has been willing to pass in, you know, run heavy game scripts. Uh, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, Fitz, Fitzpatrick has this neutral correlation with opposing offenses. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean, it just means that like if Fitzpatrick succeed, it doesn't really change our confidence in any way uh, about the likelihood of the opposition to reach a ceiling. You know, Rogers with that negative correlation, if Rogers succeeds, we actually have lower confidence in the opposition. Russ, positive correlation. If he succeeds, the opposition has increased confidence. Fitzpatrick is neutral, you know? So I think uh, the pricing on the Cincinnati side, like Higgins is a guy I look at, uh, you know, Boyd Green, sure. Uh, you know, I think even though it's a low total, the the price tags are cheap. Uh, there's some good correlation properties. Uh, I think it's a, a spot I'm fairly interested in. And I think that if Gaskin is activated and with no restrictions, He's going to become popular. I mean, we're, we have a yeah. slate now where, as it stands, David Montgomery is going to be chalk, okay? Because that's how bad the running back position is. Yeah. So Gaskin's sitting there at 5,700, potentially getting 70-plus percent of snaps against the Bengals. Like, to me, yes, yeah, play Gaskin. That's perfectly fine. But that also will lower the ownership of the passing game. Like, if people yeah. are jumping on Gaskin, like I jump on Fitzpatrick and Parker. The last game I wanted to talk about, only because uh, it's going to be popular to some extent, is the Rams-Cardinals game. Okay, the Rams are favored uh, only by three points now. Uh, it's a 48.5 total. Rams 25.75 implied team total. Cardinals 22.75 implied team total. Uh, Goff is under 6K. Cup is 6,100. Woods is 5,900. Uh, Woods and Cup seem underpriced because they are under. I believe they're underpriced. I think they're good individual plays. I think the combination, because now they're at 6K, you could double stack them now, right? And you still have Reynolds mm -hmm. there at 4,200. So he's reasonably cheap enough. So I think Goff stacks are going to get ownership this week. Uh, and then you could obviously run it back with a Hopkins or a Kirk or someone like that. Uh, is it just me, or is the isn't the like one of the highest ceiling quarterbacks on the slate, Kyler Murray? 
and just that he's not been playing well the past couple of weeks. If people are going to go with the golf stack, I know the Cardinals have a 22.75 implied total, but when Kyler Murray can score like two touchdowns with his feet, as well as throw for two touchdowns, do you think like a more contrarian way to approach this game would be to take the Murray side in a skinny stack, maybe not with Hopkins because he's expensive, but someone like Kirk, and then use Cup and Woods as the run back. And the problem is, is that had had a Cup and Woods get there without Goff getting there at 5,800, this is the type of game where the Rams could either run the ball a lot or they could chuck the ball a lot. It really depends on what the game script is. So yeah. if, if you think this game is competitive, which the spread tends it to be, and uh, there are big plays in this game, I think this is a game that could go significantly over its total, or it's a game that could go significantly under its total. It could be a game where the Rams get out to a two-touchdown lead, and they're just jamming Henderson and Akers and those guys down the Cardinals' throats, and then the, the, the clock just starts running out at that point. Uh, but with Kyler Murray's ownership coming in at like four or five percent, if that, like, out of all the quarterbacks on this, I mean, like, who who has who has the higher ceiling when it comes to? Ru- I mean, Kyler Murray could rush for a hundred yards, and it doesn't seem like people people aren't going to play him. Yeah, um, yeah. I think like I said, it's contrarian. It's not the most probable. I'm sure, just looking sure. for a way of how can I play Rams wide receivers in a unique way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a note on the Murray side. I mean, so are you, are we at all concerned? I mean, Murray had his lowest rush share of the season uh, last week and he has, uh, you know, really in the past four weeks, he, I wouldn't say has been on the decline aside from really last week, but he has, he, he hasn't showed and shown in recent weeks, like towards the middle of the season. I mean, I, I see him as getting, you know, 20 plus, even up over 30% of Cardinals rushes when you factor in scrambles. Um, you know, he let, hasn't. Let, let, he let, ha- me, let me go through. Okay. You're going with a one game sample size, right? Okay. I'm looking yeah, no, at, no. At, at, at games over the year 27, 33, 24, 24, 27, 28, 38, 30, 38, 30, 28.9. Got it. I, I, I understand what you're saying, that it, the trend is is going in that direction, but do we take that small sample trend in the case? It's not like Kyler Murray is popular. If he was 10, yeah. 11% owned, I'd be like, well, uh, hopefully he's, he's, he's going to be bad again. But mm-hmm. I mean, at 4% owned, I mean, he has rushing totals where, you know, he's, he's, he's gaining, he's, he's, I mean, <laughs> he has one, two, three, four, five. I mean, he's like 10 plus rushing touchdowns and games of 50, 60 plus rushing yards just this year. Yes, the past two games, he hasn't he hasn't rushed much. But who says yeah. they just don't go back to that? This week, at and I'll take a shot at 4% own and it allows me to play Cup and Woods against him without playing a golf stack. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion on whether or not Kyler is uh, dust. Is he dust already? No, I mean, no, no, on, no, really? no, 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 no. I it, the the con- the concern there is that it's just he's an expensive quarterback. They have a somewhat low. They have a, they have a low total. Like just call it as it is. They have a low total. Um, I think also like his, you know, the the well, 
I, I think, you know, you identified that Hopkins is actually somewhat of an unnatural pair with Murray just because of price and they haven't correlated well this year. They've had, you know, essentially neutral correlation 0 0.05 uh, combined ceiling of less than 70 point, 70 points so far this year. I, I, you know, so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I have a less strong, I guess, taker opinion on Murray. I think more clarity and just like, if we do go Murray, like what to do, I think, you know, as, as mentioned, Hopkins plus Murray doesn't make there, there are reasons why that kind of isn't as sensible of a pair. Uh, you know, I think Murray Kirk would be kind of the pair I would target. Um, and they're also, you know, tough to like, even, you know, I wouldn't really consider a double stack there. I mean, the, the weak correlation between Murray Hopkins and then Kirk Hopkins have had strong negative correlation through nine games. So, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely would be unconventional going Kyler plus one and then two receivers brought back on the other side. But I guess, I mean, you know, because of his rushing upside, there are routes to essentially like Kirk, only Kirk getting there, Goff and I'm sorry, uh, Cup and Woods getting there, but somehow Kyler beating Goff. Um, I don't know. To me, it feels like not a super clear route, but definitely not impossible just given Kyler's rushing ability. And, you know, I guess with golf, he is, you guys are projecting him to be quite expensive. I'm sorry, quite popular, which, uh, yeah, I do think makes uh, playing his side plus the receivers a little tough, but. Um, are there any other games that, that you're looking at that, that we haven't talked about that no, uh, think... are, are prime for stacking or high in your probability? No, I think we touched on, you know, the Miami is really kind of the lowest uh, total that I went as far as, you know, teams I've kind of tabbed as being interesting from a stacking standpoint. Uh, you know, one note on Chicago and the whole Montgomery thing, I, I do think uh, Allen Robinson is a strong leverage piece against David Montgomery. Uh, you know, he has had really strong negative correlation with Montgomery over the years. And, uh, you know, I do think... <laughs> David Montgomery, if he's going to be what thirty to forty percent owned, like there, he's got probably. Well, I don't know. His, his volume is so so high. I mean, his likelihood of hitting just like a massive, massive floor relative to price perhaps isn't super high, but uh, you know he does have, I think, very realistic routes to kind of getting there at best. Um, so if, if you're building lineups without Montgomery and want to get kind of extra leverage against the lineups that do have Montgomery, you know, do you think Allen Robinson could be, could be a reasonable route to go. Okay. So at advanced sports analytics, you have a, you have a sub stack, you have the, the correlation tools. Uh, I mean, we got about five weeks left in the season. So, so it'll make your pitch on why uh, people should go over there and, and, and look at this stuff. I mean, we mentioned, all the things that are in the tools that are over there at Advanced Sports Analytics. So if there's something that we haven't mentioned, like go over there and, and, and check it out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot of tools around. Well, we have a tool around correlation, which I think is super useful for this show. Uh, we also just have good like you should usage trend uh, tracking tools. Uh, you know, we do our own projections, which um, you know I think are pretty strong. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the notes that I prepare for this show are just totally off of uh, combining stuff from our tools. And we do the Substack uh, every week for the main slate and the two uh, Sunday night and Monday night primetime slates as kind of a 
uh, way to showcase kind of how maybe the tools can be incorporated into a holistic, uh, you know, roster construction process with regards to, you know, correlation, uh, distributional upside of players, uh, just kind of general like medium projections while they maybe have somewhat less value when uh, considering turn up tournament lineups. Uh, you know, I still think they are a good kind of guiding uh, source for lineup construction. Uh, yeah, we have all that over there. And, um, you know, you can check it out for single month, single week uh, subscriptions. Um, yeah. And you can check out our tools here at Roto Grinders, like Lineup HQ, Gridiron, Gridiron IQ, as well as all the premium content with your core four premium subscription. Click on the link in the YouTube subscription, the description, and the subscription. You could subscribe to this. You can hit the thumbs up button if you're here, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Hit whatever you want. Uh, so uh, click on that link. You get $5 off your first month of Core 4 Roto-Griders premium membership. Uh, so, so Stuart, so this is going to be the, the Browns break the slate. Just just for you. You're going you, to have to you, you have to play a Browns lineup every week because you don't want to be sitting there and like Mayfield has, you know, maybe it's cheap enough. He could get 30 points and he could be the – he was – hey – Last week he was in the he was in the Millie winning or a, he was in the Millie winning lineup. May, Mayfield was Mayfield Landry. Was he really? Yeah, Mayfield Landry. Really? Well, he didn't. didn't the, the quarterback didn't matter as much on the last slate, even with Mahomes having a high score. You just needed to get basically yeah, Tyreek Hill, Henry Land. As long as you got all the skill positions in, I mean, the play yeah. action winner had Cam Newton and he had five points. So like, it, the quarterback didn't matter <laughs> as much. But uh, but I, I I I'm not sure if I'm going to play the Browns. Uh, on Sunday, but uh, I I don't want to see the Browns be the top stack, and you not. I don't want. To, I want to see your name up. There. Yeah, well, no. I mean, the 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 kind of thesis behind the Browns in previous weeks has been that they have a reasonable implied total relative to price, and all it takes is a uh, you know more neutral than expected game script, primarily from production on the other side, aka like James Robinson last week, pushing them to. Uh, you know, achieve much of that total through the air. I mean, this week they have an exceptionally low total and are at, you know, really long odds to score the most points. That's why you play them. You can't, you can't quit them. You get, I mean, Uh, mean, you had a reason to play them before. Now you don't have a reason to play them and that's when they're going to hit. That's what, that's, that's, that's like gambler's fallacy, right? It's like, oh, they're, they're, they're due. And you, you missed them on the one week where they had the lower total and they ended up putting up 40 points. No, I mean, I think there's good literature out there that being due is not a, uh, <laughs> you know, not not a real uh, thing. Well, and, maybe they're hot. I never knew if I never know if it's are they hot? Are they due? Because then people are like, well, I can't play this guy because can't be uh, both. Uh, <laughs> right, like he's he's had four good weeks. He can't have a fifth good week. And then there are yeah. people like, I've had four bad weeks. I got to play him because he's due. So whichever one you want to, whichever one you want to do, that's perfectly fine with me. But. Uh, for, for, for Stuart Gibson of Advanced Sports Analytics, I'm Jordan Cooper, and this has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>